Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So tonight, we are going to be examining two parables that are small in size but mighty in meaning. We'll be discussing the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of yeast. Now, as you turn to Matthew chapter 13, 31 through 35, while you're turning there, I'm going to set the stage a little bit on where we find Jesus at this moment. Earlier that day, he had been schooling the religious leaders and teaching them about many different topics, one of them being the Sabbath and what the Messiah was supposed to be. Later on that day, we find Jesus sitting down by the lake, pretty much resting after a long day's work, and people just started crowding him. He didn't gather them up. They started crowding. So Jesus went to work. He stood up. He found a boat. He uh, stood on top of it, and he began to talk to the crowds. Now, when he talked to the priests and the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he would mention stories of the Old Testament. He would quote scripture and talk to them in that manner, which is key to remember for today. But whenever the crowds came, he used parables. He talked to them in stories they could understand, and that's key to know. Now, when it comes to parables, before we start reading, it's important to note that we cannot put God in a box when interpreting these parables. Every parable was said in a different way for a different meaning. It's not a one-size-fits-all, and a lot of us get tripped up in that, so keep that in mind. The Jewish leaders did this with the Messiah. They put him in a box, and they said that, okay, he's supposed to be this way, he's supposed to look this way, do this, and if it's not him, we're not listening to it. And they missed the Messiah they wait for thousands of years to come. He was there setting up the kingdom, the most powerful kingdom. But because it was not a physical one, because it wasn't happening the way they wanted to be done, they dismissed it and ignored it. And they missed out. Even for the religious leaders that found out afterwards and converted. Can you imagine the feeling of like, I had the Messiah in front of me and I didn't recognize it. So with that being said, if everyone will stand to your feet for the reading of the word. We are going to read Matthew 13, 31 through 35. We will be going over the parable of the mustard seed and of the leaven or yeast. Verse 31 says, here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest in the garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Notice that he said the kingdom started as something small, grew very large, took over, and then benefited others. Verse 33 says Jesus also uses illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Once again, different parable, but started with something small, grew very large, took over, and benefited others. Verse 34 says Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophets. I will speak to you in parables, 
and I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for meeting us here. We ask you to open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to understand, Lord, as your spirit reveals to us meanings of your parables and the kingdom that is established. We ask you to bless everyone here, Lord. Bless this church. Bless our ministries, Lord. Equip us for the work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, both parables are not only short in length, but they're comparing kingdom of God to a very small object. It's not meant to stay small, and they're meant to grow. Both the mustard seed and the yeast were put in place to grow and benefit the one who began the process. So in the parable of the mustard seed, the farmer plants, somebody plants it. It wasn't by accident. He planted it on purpose and wanted to be able to have a harvest because of it. And in the, the case of the baker or the woman who started making the bread, she purposely put the yeast into the dough. It didn't happen by accident. She wanted the dough she was making to grow and in turn replicate to benefit others. And we're going to be breaking down both parables and seeing the similarities between both of them to, so we can really get the full grasp of what Jesus was telling us. With the right elements, both the seed and the yeast are both invasive to their environment. Both grow slow and silent until their presence would be unstoppable and their influence would be undeniable. So we'll dive into the parables of influence. Influence is a huge principle and key in both of these parables. Today's world, influence has never been greater. You can't look at a screen, drive down the street, or walk anywhere without somebody trying to get you to do something, believe in something, or buy something. It's take this to lose weight. Do this to make money. Make six figures. Make seven figures. Do this to find peace. So in a world of influence, how can we decide what to believe in. The results are the key. When you hear something, even it's from God, from a facility, from a business, unless the results, they're just claims. And those we can believe are true results. The mustard seed parable. The kingdom, so that we have the little seed. And actually, I've got one illustration here. If you can see this very small vial Inside this vial, believe it or not, is seven little mustard seeds. Now, these are yellow mustard seeds, and doing some digging, the actual mustard seeds of Jesus' times were black mustard seeds, slightly different, different tastes. They were smaller than this. Now, we know that multiple times the Jesus was able to use this in illustration, but the Jewish people had a saying as small as a mustard seed because it was the, the smallest measurement that they could come up with. And it was relatable to the people. So we'll keep that in mind. Hopefully I don't lose a little mustard seed. I'll put it back in my pocket. So the mustard seed, first of all, we have a small seed. The seed is the gospel of the kingdom of God, the Messiah that's come to set up a kingdom for all of us to be saved. It's a very power-packed seed and had everything in it that you need to know to grow. But the issue here is that it's ready to grow, but it needs good soil to be able to start. 
We've learned in other parables over the last couple of weeks that if you have good ground, it can grow. It's a principle of growth. Throughout the Bible, we've got scriptures and teaching and laws, but an important thing that you don't want to miss is the principles throughout the whole Bible. We also, sometimes we call them themes, and there are themes in the Bible, but there are principles there. If you miss it, it's too late. So in the, the principle of nature and growth, if you take care of something, if you give it what it needs, it will grow. It has the design and instructions already in it, but it needs water. It needs sunshine. It needs someone to care for it. God has put us to garden and take care of things, and through us, things can prosper. Now, although it's a small seed, it becomes one of the largest garden plants, and it grows into a tree. If you plant this into your garden, at harvest time, it should be about six feet tall. But left unattended, it could double in size. Now, this was their particular mustard seed they had at their time. There are other mustard seeds that grow even bigger than that in actual bigger trees. So walking into a garden, there's no question that that mustard seed plant is not there. It's so wide, and if left uncut, the branches will come out like an umbrella and hit the ground, and another one will spawn. Another one will spawn. It's very invasive, so it has to be tended to. It's so big that birds can make nests in its branches. Now, this is the part where people will get lost in, okay, what are the birds? And the parable has lots of deep meaning. But if we focus on the principles of the nature of growth, there's two things I'd like to point out. One, if it's the kingdom of God is the seed, and it grows, and you continue to nurture it, and it grows out and gives harvest to others, other people can be able to find um, nesting in the kingdom of God. But when we talk about birds, even from the very beginning of the earliest church and the Old Testament scriptures, birds are always resembling angels, either good or fallen. And in this case, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, fallen angels are not going to be nesting in the kingdom of God. It's going to be actual angels. Now, you might think, okay, well, birds eat the seeds. They're going to destroy the plant. If you're a farmer, you might not like birds in your garden. But in this case, if you've ever seen a plant that you did not plant that is on a fence line, or somewhere random, you're going to know that a bird planted that for you. So once birds are inside your bush, that mustard seed is going to grow. So as the kingdom of God grows, angels will be able to help us and be able to minister out to other people and continue the replication. This is also shocking language because anytime the Old Testament, the kingdom of God, was talked about a giant cedar tree, massive and wonderful. So when Jesus steps on the scene, he goes, the kingdom of God is like this seed. It's a mustard seed. And a lot of them are like, okay, that's a weed, and we don't even plant those. In fact, in the old law, they weren't even allowed to plant those in the garden. So it's like, okay, wait a minute, what does this exactly mean? He got their attention and showed them that it's slow growing, but once it grows, the roots can go three to five feet deep and unwavered and can take the, the, sun, the sun, the heat, the scorching weather, and it does not falter. And it grows very fast and hard to get rid of. Now, this, the, the yeast. Very similar parable. It has a lot of the same principles in for the growth. So we have a woman that has a small amount of yeast and puts in three measures of flour. Now, scholars have looked into this, and the three measure of flours are give you the short route, can make 40 to 60 pounds of dough. Now, that's a lot of dough. 
And back then, they would have known exactly, like, wait a minute, why, why so much dough? We can't even eat that much in a time. So it must have been someone preparing for a meal for many people. And if you don't know what that is, you could think, oh, say, okay, well, someone said we're going to make about 200, 150 hamburgers. You would automatically know, okay, that's a lot of food prep. I've done that before. So Jesus was talking to them of something they knew. And 60 pounds of dough could roughly make 150 to 200 loaves of bread if uh, it depends on the size of it. So the principles of growth is the same. So yeast is another thing that was odd to hear because all through the Old Testament, even some of the New Testament, yeast is used to resemble sin. So why would Jesus all of a sudden say the kingdom of God is like yeast? Because you remember the Old Testament, they had the feast of unleavened bread. They had to take all the yeast out of their home, anything that was used for leaven, everything out of their home because they said that it represents sin, and just a little bit can grow, and a little bit can go into your life and infect the nation of Israel. Well, as many times Jesus did, he came in, and he told everybody something odd. The last will be first. The first will be last. It doesn't matter how long you work. We're going to pay you the same. He was coming in and shaking things up and turning upside down what we call the upside-down kingdom and turn everything on his head, and that's why they said, no one's ever spoke like this before. What, what authority does he have? And once you start digging in these parables on these things he was saying, even when he says, eat of my body, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, no wonder the Pharisees were so angry. Cannibalism was against Jewish law. Mustard seeds weren't supposed to grow in the garden. Um, the yeast was supposed to be sin. What is this guy talking about? He claims to be God? You can realize how frustrated they would get but because they fully didn't understand the parables, they couldn't do anything much about it. They tried to pin him, but they couldn't get him because God did not allow them to see that. In fact, Jesus said, I tell you these things so you can understand to the apostles, but to everyone else, it's not their time yet. He was buying time because if they fully knew from day one what he was saying, it would have been a lot shorter story. Now, with the yeast be being sin, why would God use that? to represent the kingdom of God. There's only two places in the Bible, maybe a little more, that is used in a positive way. Let's look at Romans 5.20. It says, God's law was given so that people could see how sinful they really were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. See, sin and grace work the same way in opposite directions. A little bit of sin can ruin the whole lump. A little, a one rotted apple could destroy the whole bushel. But when God came and gave his grace, what they were not used to in the law, when grace came, it was the other kingdom, the upside-down kingdom they weren't understanding, was doing reverse. What sin was rotting away, grace was coming to take away that rot. There are two kingdoms at work, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. We know the kingdom of God was established by Jesus, and we work to be able to expand it. And the kingdom of men, they think that they've got it in control, but really someone's pulling the strings, and they don't understand the spiritual realm that is working here. So they just don't understand the forces they'll be reckoning with. Grace, everything in God's kingdom, there's an opposite. There's a counterfeit. Grace and sin are those counterfeits. So it brings me to my, my main point, talking about yeast and seeds and be able to grow and the yeast is a living organism so i don't want to miss this part because we are talking about the seed everything the seed needs to grow is inside that seed 
So when you pull that little seed out, there's no way there's a plant rolled up in there. It has to grow. It has to bring things, resources in to help it grow. So when you talk about yeast, it's actually part of the fungus group. Okay? It's a fungi. It's fermentation. So when it comes through the yeast, it replicates and it lives, but it has to have things to help. So my first point is God has given you everything you need to grow. Everything you need to grow is inside like an instruction manual inside that seed or inside that yeast. The seed needs good soil. It needs water. It needs sunshine. It needs to be nurtured. Just like our relationship with God has to constantly evolve on a daily matter. So if you have a plant and you never water it, it's probably not going to survive. If you have a garden and you don't tend to it, it's going to be overrun with other things. If you have yeast and you don't have the right capabilities for the right temperature of the dough, the right consistency, then your yeast is going to die and your bread's not going to rise. There's plenty of us who have had plants and they have not survived. We've tried baking and stuff didn't rise because something wasn't right. It wasn't tended to and it wasn't kept up with. Therefore, it will not be what it was supposed to be. So keep that in mind with your relationship with God. It has to be tended every day. The way you water that seed, the way you take care of that yeast is praying, worshiping God, having him reign all over your, your crops to be able to grow. Psalms 1, chapter 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow in the advice of the wicked or stand around sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating, meditating on it day and night. Here's the key part. They are like trees that are planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves will never wither, and they prosper in all they do. We believe in that so much that it's our church scripture there on the wall. But the key thing about this is the river. Notice it didn't say the, the trees were close to the river, like, you know, far away where they can see it, or they were transplanted over there. They were planted from the very beginning next to a water source that is always running. And the principle of river is huge throughout the whole Bible. And to briefly talk about it, a river always goes downhill. It comes from a source. And the only way it's replenished is through a constant rain. That rains down the mountains, goes through the river, always goes downhill back to lake river, ocean, to a larger body, which is the source. If you know anything about weather, it'll evaporate, turn back into clouds, or rain over again. So if it never rains and never pours, then it, the river stops flowing. If you've ever been to the Frio River when it's been a drought and you've tried to float and you have to walk half the way, you know that there hasn't been much rain. Same way, the river of God wants to flow through our lives to be able to push things that are out of the way, show the power of God, and, and to water the plants around it. But if it doesn't rain, if we don't pray, if we don't spend time with God every single day, the river cannot flow at its full capacity. So in the same way that a plant needs water, which I feel like we all used to, yeast is another story. Yeast is something not a lot of us mess with. And if you need yeast today, you can get it in a little packet. It's little organisms dried up. You've got to activate them. And you have to put them in warm dough with enough moisture to activate it with a food source. So any kind of sugar, it will eat on. So a lot of times when you cook bread, put a little extra in there for it to eat. Otherwise, it'll have to rely on the milk, and sometimes it won't rise in the time you need it to. 
then it needs to be kneaded and mixed. So in a garden, you know you have to pull the weeds. You've got to water the plant. You've got to protect the plant. And in yeast is the same process. You'll be able to knead it through the entire thing. Get that going faster so you need it. The faster you knead it, the faster you get it. And so in the first century, they didn't really have those packets. They had the dough they had from the day before. So before they would bake all of it, they would take a piece out, and they would keep it for the next day. Try to keep it safe, keep it out of the way, and they would bake all the rest of the bread for that day. And the next morning, they would do the process all over again. So they would take out fresh dough. They would make it. They would pull out the dough from the day before that had active yeast in it, and they put that small amount in the dough. Then they would knead it. They would mesh it. They would put it all the way around so that yeast can be able to permeate every single part of that dough. And remember, Jesus this whole time was saying the kingdom of God is that yeast. And if it was negative, the parable would have read, read, would, would have read Jesus said that the, the kingdom of God is like a baker who just baked dough and then yeast got into it. But he said the kingdom of God is yeast that slowly permeates through, and with enough care, it can take over the whole dough. Now, 60 pairs of dough, that's a lot of dough. So the yeast is never afraid of how much dough there is. It takes its time, it eats, it replicates. Now, the really cool thing about yeast is the way it replicates. But before we get there, it's key to know that if you want to reach others, if you want to talk to others about Jesus, if you are not kept up, if your relationship with God has not been watered and cultivated, and you try to talk to someone else about their garden, you might have a problem. So if you stay watered and you, your yeast is good and living and you are going, your whole life has been permeated by the kingdom of God, then you're able to replicate that to other people. So... My big closing statement is that your growth is meant to be replicated. Now, remember, you have to have yeast that's already taken over your own dough before you can take a piece out and help someone else's dough. And then your mustard seed has to be grown and produce seed to be mature until it drops seed so someone else can grow. But if you stay in the baby plant stage, you'll never have seed to be able to grow somebody else. So how do we do that? How We've already, we start reading our Bible, we pray, we worship, we start fixing our life, seeking righteousness, getting right with God. Now how do we reach others? How do we be able to expand those seeds and to move them out? And we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 20 through to 23. He says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I find a common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. And I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. See, the Apostle Paul, even earlier in that, says, when I'm with the Jews, I will follow Jewish laws. But I'm not bound to the law. And when I'm with Gentiles, I don't follow Jewish laws because I know I'm not bound to the law. And I have freedom in Christ. And he warns us to know that even if we have freedom in Christ, to not let that freedom cause us astray, but to always find common ground with someone so that they can relate to you. If you have somebody throwing scriptures at you every day, you're going to eventually ignore them. But if you have a friend that talks to you and they fully believe in something, you trust them with everything else, there's no reason why they won't start to wonder, 
Why does this person believe this? And why does this person go to church? And why are they seeing results in their life? So when they hit a hardship and their plant starts to, to wither, and even if it's a young Christian or someone who doesn't believe at all, they can see your life and they can see the way you tend to your plant and your yeast to be able to grow. And they wonder, what do they have? What can I use that? And so when you're yeast, you have a trade, you have a hobby, you have a talent, and your resources can all be used for the kingdom of God. Because if you have something that you like, like, I've always just liked this. The Bible says, like, God has given you these things so that you can share with others. Everything you have can be shared for the glory of God. And so if you like to go to the gym, I've, we've got friends that bring other people to the gym, and they just work out together. And then before they knew it, everyone's coming to church. Okay? We have men's groups outside the meet for breakfast. They eat together, barbecue together, slowly but surely. They start coming to the men's events here. They start barbecuing here. They start coming because they see, even though you, we do the same things, you do the same things we do, but yet things are happening in your life that I wish I had. And you have the same struggles I do, but you have a strength about you and you have a peace about you that changes everything else. And I, want, I just want to see what's going on. I want, I want, I'll go to this thing. I'll check out what you're doing. And then they get a little piece of the yeast. And they start to understand it. And they get the seed that gets planted. And then we keep watering it. And you keep praying for them. If you just always say, hey, I'm just going to pray for you, then, you know, eventually if you don't stop and say, you know, we're going to pray right now for you. We're not going to walk away and forgive because they don't understand the power of prayer. And we don't want to forget about them either. So take that time to pray for them. And it says that in Romans 15, 2, we should help others and do what is right and build them up in the Lord. That means build them up in the Lord. It's because where I work at, I got a bunch of guys, and we throw jabs at each other all the time. Jabs are a little joke that has a little truth in it, and we start, you know, have this little camaraderie around people, and we bond over it. It makes the time pass. 12-hour shift goes by. But then we start talking about religion. And then I had to put the brakes a little bit. I'm like, hey, we're going to have to stop the jabs for a little bit. And, and realize that the, the seriousness of the issue and getting them to understand what you believe without being harsh or being understanding and to talk to them. So if they're having a rough day, instead of saying, oh, you know, the Bible says this or, hey, you got to clean up your life. Sometimes that's necessary if you're mentoring somebody. But if you're not in that mentoring stage, sometimes it needs to be, hey, can I take you out to lunch? You mind if I pay for this today? Hey, let's go hang out together. Let's get your mind off stuff and just be a friend. Because what we can do is look at the life of Jesus. And when he talked to the Pharisees and he talked to the Sadducees, he would quote to them scriptures and he would try to get them to realize what they were saying. But when he talked to other people that might not have known what the scriptures were, he talked to them in parables and stories and they shared, he shared life with them. And whenever he went to the Samaritan woman for the well, he didn't go and correct her right away. He didn't say, you need to be saved, I'm here to save you, I'm the Messiah. He simply asked, can I have a glass of water? Because her problem was she had no water. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about your problem. You have no water, let's talk about water. I have some water for you. When he talks to other people, he talks to them about what they need instead of anything he wants to shove at their way, he talks about at their level. So we have to remember that when we talk to others and we talk to our family and we talk to our friends because 
when they're always watching to see how we act. We want to resemble Jesus. And what Jesus did was share life with them, to pray with them, to talk to them. And in the end, we have to share the heart of the king. No matter what we do, we always have to share the heart of the king. So remember, be yeast. Always nurture the yeast. Always nurture the plant so that it will grow. It will take over. Remember that yeast and grace move slowly, quietly. And God also asks us to be light and salt. Now, light and salt do very close the same thing as yeast. It is quiet. It moves quickly. And before you know it, it's taken over. So in the same way, we can do that as well. So if you all rise to your feet, I want to pray with you all. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your understanding, Lord. We know, Father God, that you have asked us to change the world through your kingdom, Lord, and we want to be able to spread it as much as we can. We thank you, God, for the tools and the talents that we have. Lord, we ask that we use them for your glory and for the growth of the kingdom so everyone can share in the joy of salvation and to share in the joy that we have. We thank you, Father God. We ask you to anoint us and to use us in your name, Jesus. We thank you very much. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.